Hey there, my listeners. Thanks again for tuning into Sims Workshop. Hope you're having a wonderful day. So today we're going to be talking about Into the Hourglass by Emily J. Emily R. King. It this book has been sitting on my digital self for three years now. I want to say. Let's see. Book was published August twentieth, twenty nineteen. Almost three years. So two and a half years now. Um, and I think one of my, you know, hesitancies with picking up this book earlier is the fact that when it comes to series, um, I think we as readers always have that feeling like, oh my god, am I going to remember what happened in book one? Especially when you figure, well, book one comes out, you know, books are typically published one year apart. So, when you think about it, there is this concern we as readers feel, you know, was the book memorable enough? Um, oftentimes for me they are, I usually have no problem, but, you know, it's probably been three years since I read book one, and I've read so many other things that I'm just like, oh my god, I hope I remember, and I think it really does highlight the author's talent that she's able to remind you of what happened without ruining the momentum of the story. Now, I did remember bits and pieces after reading the, you know, book synopsis on Goodreads. I did remember some of the core elements that happened. Um, but I liked the refresher and I liked how King used the, you know, she used dialogue, she used emotion, she used plot development um, in order to, she used those three elements in order to bring about what happened in the first book. And she's reminding you as a reader, like, these things happened. This was their impact on the characters. This is why it's important for the overall development story of this narrative that we're continuing. And I really do think that says a lot about her skill as a writer. Um, because it shows she's thinking not just as a writer, but as a reader as well. She's like, well, if I were a reader and it's been a while since I read the book, probably a year, I would like my readers to know what happened without having the need to reread book one. Because a lot of, you know, we readers, we have such large to be read piles, we hardly get the chance to reread books, you know? Um, we hardly get that chance. There are so many books on my bookcase that I wish I could reread, but unfortunately I cannot. Um, it, that's just life. You know, life gets in the way sometimes. But regardless, I think, you know, it is really telling of her as a writer. I think it really does showcase her talent to be a very strong writer in order to do this, in order to recapture the past and remind us of what happened and we are seeing a lot of the effects the events in book one are having on these characters you know they seem 
especially Everly. Um, she seems just a little bit broken, um, but she is so fierce. She's constantly, constantly trying to figure out how to live. Um, especially when you take into account, she doesn't have an actual heart. Um, Prince Killian, our manipulative antagonist here, he's, he's a, he's a right bastard, he is. Um, he murdered her family when she was a kid and stabbed her through the heart. The only way to save her was her uncle had to build her a clockwork heart. Um, and with the help of Father Time, they use magic to get it going and sustain her. Mm. But she's always known her life kind of came with a limit, especially because her heart is getting weaker and weaker. And she doesn't know if it has to do with them traveling to um, the world under their wave, which clockwork does not work under the, underneath there, you know. Time pretty much doesn't really exist. Not in the, not in, you know, the traditional way anyway. You know, a, a week here could be a month there. Um, or vice versa. Time is funny, isn't it? So, she's scared. You know, she has to do this task for Father Time. She has, she wants to return to see her uncle, her only family left. There's so many things she wants to do, and she wants to avenge her family as well. So, it's all about just finding the time to do everything she wants to do while working under a time limit. You know, she's so scared of leaving things unfinished. She's so scared of doing things that'll hinder her. And another thing she's scared of is just kind of letting people in as well. So I will say the story really does have really good character development. She's really closed off and you understand why. I mean, she grew up with her uncle telling her you can't let anyone see your clockwork heart so understandably she kept people at bay you know her world is the one that doesn't look fondly on magic so if they were to see her heart she would be you know burned at the stake or hanged you know she would be thought of as an abomination so keeping to herself was very much about keeping herself alive and you understand that you know you don't fault her for it at all but when she's going on this adventure there are people here who really do want to be her friend and it's hard for her to let people in like she wants to let them in she wants to think of them as friends but she still has that <clears throat> nagging voice in the back of her head you know she wants to love but she also doesn't think she's capable of love at the same time because she doesn't have an actual heart and she soon learns that you know what it doesn't matter whether or not she has an actual physical heart or not oh pardon me sorry 
And she learns that... I mean... The perfect example is Prince Killian. He's all flesh and blood and immortal. And he loves no one but himself. I mean, he is abusive to the girls that he claims to love. And you get to see that in subtle details. Um, I really notice, notices his girlfriend, whose name has um, escaped me, that she's just kind of always has bruises on her arms and he's an abusive bastard and you're just like oh this is not a good guy like we already knew he wasn't a good guy i mean he killed a, he attempted to kill a little girl you know and not in a way that was possible for her to live you know he stabbed her through the heart his intention was to kill her he is a right bastard and he claims to love people, but until they've served their usefulness, I should say. He is a, he's not a good guy, and I like how the, I like how King really does capitalize on that. It's just like, she juxtaposes this man who is immortal, who is made of flesh and blood, who doesn't care about anything but himself, next to Everly, who's not 100% whole, who's missing a heart. I mean, her heart is clockwork. And yet she feels more than he ever could. Her emotions are stronger than his. There are times where she loses sight of the people around her, but it's because she is driven to try to save her uncle. I mean, she just has to get back to her uncle. And she has to stop this bastard. I mean, she is blinded by rage. There's not rage, by revenge, well, rage and revenge. She is 100% blinded by rage and revenge, but she doesn't let that stop her from letting people in. You know, it takes some time. It takes a lot of heart-to-hearts and a lot of the other characters saying, we want to be your friend. Like, we wish you trust us with your secret, but we understand why you didn't. <coughs> oh, sorry about that we understand why she does it and even her characters who are her friends understand and that's a sign of a really good friendship so there really is good character development there's really good um character dynamics and they really do keep the story moving along with the pace i mean the story itself it just doesn't pause it's just like bam 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 and that's really good you know, she's not dampening the story by reminiscing about what happened in book one. You know, King is just like, you know what? We're going to take the effects of what happened in book one to remind you as a reader about what happened in book one while also keeping the momentum of this story going. And I think that that really is a sign of a good writer um, in order to do that. Because not a lot of authors can do that. Sometimes when they want to remind you about what happened in book one it slows down the pacing sometimes that's good sometimes it works for the story overall but then sometimes you have it and it's just kind of dampening the story pacing um so sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't it's really about how the author does it king was successful in how she did it here because she's really focusing on the character's emotions 
on the tense atmosphere, on the pacing. And I think that lends it to be a really good story. So um, I do have to give into the hourglass three and three quarters out of five stars, so 3.75 out of five. Not quite four. Um, I only say that because there are things... When I was first reviewing this book, I couldn't even remember the characters' names. And I think that that says something about the story. Um, about the characters. Don't get me wrong. I do love Everly. I think she's fierce. She's headstrong. She is a good character. But for me, I just didn't find her as memorable as I did Prince Killian or the Pixie or the Dorka or Father Time. She somehow got lost uh, amongst all the other characters. <coughs> and considering that she is the main character, I don't think she should feel lost. So that's why I can't quite give it a four um, out of five. I wish I could, but I can't. Um, but it's definitely more than a three-star book. You know, I really did find it to be really engaging. I do think the writing is really well done. I just think King needs to focus a little bit more on making sure her main protagonist shines throughout the narrative and is memorable because I couldn't... I could remember things that happened in the book. I just could not remember her name at all to save my life, and I tried so hard. Um... But, you know, I think I do have to take that into account when I am grading the book. So, 3.75 out of 5. So close to 4. Um, on that note, please remember to support the author by purchasing the book from your local bookseller or online book retailer. I just ask that you support the author that way because you have to remember when... Amazon sells books at a cheaper rate because that is the deal that the publishers give them, you know. They will give them that rate and say, because they're only paying for warehouse space, you know. Um, when you wonder why books are more so expensive, blame the publisher, okay. <laughs> um, but the cost of materials is go high, so I get it. You have to remember authors only get about 10% of the proceeds. So, when you're buying a book off of Amazon at a cheaper rate, you're also undercutting how much the author gets. So, please support the author by purchasing from your independent bookstore or local bookstore. On that note, I hope you all will continue to support me here by liking this podcast. Have a great rest of your day. You can also become a supporter on Buy Me Coffee, Anchor FM, or making a one-time donation to my PayPal. All proceeds do go to making Sims Workshop the best it can possibly be. So have a great rest of your day, and as always, happy reading, everyone.